0: You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to the 12th episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. Um, thank you for all your support so far. Uh, you've been listening to our podcast. Uh, do continue to listen to it. Uh, and do not forget to uh, share the word um, and, uh, you know, uh, spread it across uh, to your cricket-loving friends. You know how to find us. We are on social media. Um, you can find us also on podcasting platforms like Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, you Just search for Armchair Cricket Podcast and you should be able to find us. Like I said, we're also on social media, so you can find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Armchair Cricket Pod. We also have a an F- Facebook page now. Um, you can uh, just search for our uh, name, Armchair Cricket Podcast, and you should be able to find us with quite a lot of ease. Um, you can also email us on armchair.cricket@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, We are sometimes online on Twitter uh, when there is uh, a match ongoing. You can join us there for a banter. Um, We also keep posting uh, periodic quizzes as well as polls on our Facebook page as well as on Twitter. Uh, Do stay tuned in. You you can participate and share your thoughts there. Um, And uh, wherever you're listening to us, uh, from, do not forget to give us a rating preferably a five-star rating, and uh, share your feedback. Your feedback means a lot to us. Now, having said that, uh, let me welcome my co-host, Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing? Hello,
1: Giri. Uh, Good evening. Uh, I've been doing good. Uh, It's been a very, uh, let's say, eventful week for cricket. Also for me, uh, with work and everything else, it's been very hectic. How about you?
0: Yeah, yeah, likewise here. A lot of things going on Around the world, also with cricket, of course, but uh, too much to digest at the moment. Indeed. Uh, But luckily, we have cricket as a distraction.
1: Indeed. It's an opium for some of us. You know, Marx uh, said uh, religion is an opium for the masses, as an opiate for the masses. I think uh, for some of us, it's after all not a uh, bad thing to say or a wrong thing to say cricket is our religion, isn't it? Yeah, you could say that, of course. Yeah. All right, then. so before we get on to the cricketing events of the week, let's look at uh, the trivia question from the last week and the answer to it. So the trivia question from the last week was, who has the highest batting average in Ranji Trophy? And uh, for a change, uh, our usual contributors did not uh, contribute this time. I think they were a bit busy. So uh, the answer to this question is Vijay Merchant. He has a very, you know, Bradman-esque Average of 98.35 in Ranji Trophy cricket, right? He had a very short career. He didn't play many matches. Uh, It was overall, you know, uh, enough of a sample set that it made a big splash. And, of course, if you look at the top five averages in Ranji Trophy batting, it's pretty much the who's who of, you know, uh, the Indian domestic cricket and also international cricket. So Vijay Merchant leads the pack, right? And then number two is Sachin Tendulkar with 85.62. Then you have Lakshman with 80.61. Mm-hmm. Then you have Ajay Sharma, who has 78.29. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have Ashok pankar So quite a lot, quite a lot of averages. And I think uh, a very good point that I think uh, you were telling me offline, right?
0: Yeah.
1: This first class average of uh, Vijay Merchant is in fact higher than that of Bradman.
0: Wow. wow. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think Bradman has ninety five point something, ninety five point one four, whereas uh, Vijay Merchant has ninety eight point three five. So wow, uh, it's a it's good to see an Indian up the charts there.
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, if you were to look at international batting averages, always you know George Headley, who was sort of more famous and played before Bradman, had a very mm-hmm. high average as well. He averaged in the sixties and seventies, if I'm not wrong. Therefore, you know, there were there were periods of time where uh, pe- people from certain parts of the world used to refer to Bradman as the white Hedley, rather than mm-hmm. Hedley as the black Bradman, you know. It's something right. to do with the times and the way people used to refer to people. Anyway, so that's an interesting, uh, you know, anecdote. Thanks for pointing that out, right? Now, mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to the first uh, test between New Zealand and Bangladesh. This is the only ongoing test currently. Right? Okay, yeah. Uh, would you like to take us through the stage H- yeah. place?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, let me do that. So, this match was played uh, or is being played uh, as we speak. I think they will start the second day now in a few minutes Mm -hmm. while we're recording this uh, podcast. It's being Uh played at Hamilton, um, uh, Bangladesh and New Zealand. So, New Zealand won the toss and uh, they elected to field first. Uh, Bangladesh, of course, uh, I think. Is is this their first ever New Zealand tour? Could well be Uh, in terms of
1: test cricket. No, I think um, they've played. they, they, play, they played, played before, course. okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, um, first things first, um, Bangladesh uh, has a very good opening batsman in Tamim Mikpal, and he showed us uh, what he's capable of. He uh-huh. played a quick, he, he made a quick fire century, really, really quick century, almost run a ball. Um, mm-hmm. So, he, I think he, he got out on 126 of just 128 balls,
1: mm-hmm. a
0: strike rate of 98, uh, 21 boundaries, uh, and one six. So, that this just tells you uh, how attacking his innings was. So, <laughs> kudos to him. I think he did very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from that, no one else uh, supported him. I have to say that there, there are, I think, four of them who got starts. But they didn't convert them. They were all out in uh, 20s.
1: Like uh-huh.
0: uh, Shadnam Shadman Islam, uh-huh. uh, Mominul Haq made 12 runs. Uh, Mohammad Metun failed 8 runs. Soumya Sarkar also just 1 run. -hmm. Muhammadullah and uh, Liton Dos they made 20 odd runs, 22 and 29 respectively. Mm -hmm. But then no one no one else uh, uh, you know held fort at the other end uh, and gave him support. Um, So it's it's kind of yeah it's a it's a sad thing that they couldn't uh, uh, you know build around that century from Tamim Iqbal. So when he got out, I think he was the fifth wicket. uh, and uh, when he got out, it was the score was 180 runs, after which mm-hmm. uh, the other wickets, the remaining five wickets, fell in um, relatively quick succession. Uh, mm-hmm. Bangladesh were bowled out for 234
1: runs. Yeah.
0: Um, so, looking at the bowling figures, Trent Bold, uh and Tim Saudi were amongst the wickets. Bold got one wicket, Tim Saudi three wickets. But the star of the show was Neil Wagner. Uh can call him the workhorse mm-hmm. uh, for his uh, for the way he bowls he got 5 wickets so he 5 for 47 runs in 16 overs so well done to him
1: mm-hmm. of course
0: um, and we'll talk about what he did during the innings uh, when we continue uh, after when when, when i finish the new zealand first innings batting
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: new zealand came out to bat uh, during the third session um and uh, well, at the end of the day, they finished at 86 for no loss. So they didn't lose their wickets. Uh, both of their openers got good starts, especially G. Travel.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: he, he made a 50. Made a 50. Uh, I think G. Travel was due a big score for, for quite some time. I don't think he played well against Sri Lanka the last time Sri Lanka visited them. So this is his chance. And he's, he's had a good start now. Um, don't know if he can convert this into a century or a big one for that matter. Uh, mm-hmm. We all know Tom Latham and his uh, uh, talent, so I look forward to what happens on the second day. Um, so, Bangladesh bowlers, of, of course, they didn't get any wickets. Uh, that's about it, I guess. Uh, yeah, We can talk about okay. Warner or other things that you have in mind.
1: Of course. Yeah, so just a couple of other points as well. So, when you look at this Bangladeshi batting order, it looks a bit top-heavy because uh, their most effective batsmen are at 1 and 3. Usually, in a test match innings, you see the most effective batsmen are 3-4-5. Most, most often, they also have a strong opener. But because they have lost both, uh, you know, Shakibal Hassan and Mushfiqur Rahim, their most one of the most prolific test match batsmen in the team. They have been uh, sidelined due to injuries. This is a big blow, both, uh, you know, for the experience they bring on the field and also for their contributions directly with the bat, right? So, given this the case, I found... Um, Mahmoud batting at six a bit low. And I think he got out to a little bit of a rash shot. It was a short one, of course. But he was uh, sort of hooking with his eyes off the ball and he got caught in the deep. And uh, so if you were to now visit the rest of the innings, you've covered most of the points. And I think um, I think they looked very strong. So I, I was able to catch most of the first session. And they looked very good. And uh, when I went to bed, they were 120 for one or something. So they looked really strong. And then um, and they were going at almost five an over. So if you look at the strike rates or the economy rates of uh, Bolt and Saudi, they're they're very high. And this is after the end of the innings where they were able to make a comeback. Saudi was going at seven an over and Bolt was going at almost five five and a half an over initially. So in the first spells they were very costly because Tamim played a wonderful hand. So a lot of kudos to Tamim Tamim here because he he went at run a ball which is almost you know uh, it's it's like it's like a prototype always. In a subcontinent team, there has been a very you know rapid opener, be it you know, Jaisuriya, be it Saeed Anwar at times, of course, Virendra Sehwag, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Tamim Iqbal. So uh, when you look at this, this has been a prototype where, uh, where there is always a fast scoring opener, which sort of gives a good start. And the middle-order capitalizes in any of these big batting lineups. Sanath Surya was followed by, you know, for a long time, either there was Arvinda or Ranatungar, there was always Sangakkara and Jaivartanayat. Mm-hmm. The Lance yeah. these people. I will not go into each of these teams, but in each case, there was a huge uh, a yeah. middle order that capitalized on whatever yeah. the uh, opener was able to provide. Here, that went missing. Given all this, I think Mohammadullah was batting too low. There is not a lot of, uh, let's say, um, experience. So when you have Soumya Sarkar and Lytan Das and Mohammed Mitun uh, in the top seven, completing the top seven, I think there was a bit of onus on Mominul Haq because Tamim Iqbal sort of did his work. He sort of got out at an inopportune time, but he was living by this vote and he died by it. That is fine. And usually Mohammedullah coming in at five would have made some sense. And if he had tried to hang on, guide the rest of the order through, somebody like Soumya Sarkar or uh, you know, Lutan Das, I think they had made contributions, but it would have helped. That's one thing I could say. So it's sort of a disappointing innings when given that an opener made a, a 126, the team has only made 234. And there I think we can definitely bring in Wagner. He deserves a lot of credit. As you rightly mentioned, he's the workhorse of this team. And in a ground like Hamilton, which is actually known for its swing-friendly conditions, uh, New Zealand was uh, brave enough to actually insert uh, Bangladesh in, you know, and they were not at all faced even at the end of the first session to have considered 120 for just two wickets. Right, this guy made an impact right when he was introduced. He got um, Mominul Haq out. Right, he uh, Mominul haq tried to leave a ball going down the leg side and it nicked the glove. So he was a little late letting the ball go on the leg side. And similarly, um, I think if you look at it, Abu Jayad was out in a similar uh, way as well. And so was uh, Swami Sarkar. Swami Sarkar also tried to leave the ball and he gloved one to the keeper so this showed that probably the ball was coming from the pitch a little faster than these people expected Mm -hmm. right this is where really wagner has to be given a lot of credit because he brings this you know this um, never say die attitude and he keeps bouncing at the ball and he keeps hitting the deck hard right even in a pitch where you would expect there is such a lot of beautiful swing in the air he's really not interested in exploiting that you have bolt and saudi for that and even Grandholm to a large extent, right? So this guy keeps hitting the pitch. And if you look at the number of dismissals or all the dismissals, I think the last six wickets to fall, except for um, Khali dehamad who was, you know, yawed by Saudi, the rest were all to short balls. So in this 10 wickets that fell in the Bangladesh innings, seven people were out dismissed to a short ball. So it's very interesting. Uh, another small point, I think uh, Grand Home dropped Tamim Iqbal when he was about 70, 75, I think just before the end of the first session. Uh, Everybody thought it could have proved very costly. It did in a way, but not for the entire innings. So they were a bit lucky. And Grandom came back and dismissed Tamim later, which, uh, you know, when Tamim Iqbal tried to hit a shortish one and he guided them on straight to gully. It was a disappointing shot as well. So all in all... It has been a disappointing effort by Bangladesh on the first day, given that they were 120 foot two at lunch. So you would expect most experienced team to close the day out at 300 for four or even 300 for three, something like this, looking to pile on all the runs and bat only once in a test. In this case, they hardly lasted two sessions and they're all out for 234. Mm-hmm. And New Zealand really capitalized well. So they had a whole session to bat out, but still there was a lot of, you know, um, there's still some movement with the ball and uh, i think this this sort of uh, conditions exp- you know allow for swing to be uh, going through right through the first two or three days so but bangladesh did not have a lot because uh, with, the, with the new ball uh, efforts if you look at it uh, the greenness of the attack showed between them the three fast bowlers have four tests right mm-hmm. so they were really hit so uh, you know ibadat hussein is making his debut uh, Khalid ahmed and abu Jayad, between them they have hardly played four tests and this really showed they, they miss somebody like uh, you know the young fast bowler. I can Mustafizur is Fizor, one of them yeah. indeed. Mustafizur is injured. Yeah. He would have made a good uh, addition Truskin, to the attack. Thaskeen Ahmed. Ahmed. Thanks a lot. Yeah. That guy brings not only the pace but the little bit of aggression that a fast bowler brings, right? Yeah. Somebody like a Wagner, but who bowls let's say about five to eight kph faster than him. Yeah. that would have really helped. So, in this attack, if you had, let's say, replaced Ibadeth Hussain with uh, Mustafizur, who was out injured, and Taskin again, who's not at test fitness, they tell us. So, these both would have made a lot of difference. But without them, this attack was like a first class attacker, you know, a first class uh, team attack. And New Zealand tore into it. So, and what they did well is they started very rapidly, but then they were able to settle in and play a very classic test innings. And uh, they are averaging only about three and over, but that doesn't matter, right? I think these both have set shop as if they'll play another day easily, and New Zealand will want to bat only once and put Bangladesh out of this game, I think, right? And you're absolutely right when you said Rawal is due a big score. He has not had a test 100 to his name yet. He's been around this test setup for already two years, right? And he's played 16 tests, but he's not yet had a 100, and this might be a very good opportunity for him to showcase what he can do. Going forward, right? Yeah. They have a very strong batting order coming up. You have Williams and you have Taylor and Nichols, all three of whom are in very good touch. And you have Watling, if required for a, you know, rear guard. And you have Grand and uh, Tim Saudi who can sort of uh, hit out, right? So yeah. I think uh, Bangladesh are up against it just based on these things. We'll have to see how it unfolds, whether Bangladesh can make a comeback very much like Sri Lanka, how they did in both mm-hmm. lists, right? Well, I mean, uh, some of the uh, articles leading up to this test were talking about it. So two Asian teams have caught, uh, you know, um, teams from the Southern Hemisphere off guard, you know, India. And to an extent, uh, India is not uh, did not catch Australia off guard, but at least ba- uh, Sri Lanka definitely did. So, mm-hmm. you know, New Zealand was sort of wary, they say, but maybe this sort of a performance sort of settles them down, I think, for the series, mm-hmm. New Zealand, yeah. right?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> All right. That was a quick review. Anything you would like to add on this?
0: No, I think you have covered it fully. Uh, day two coming up in a few minutes. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that.
1: All right. Let's see how it goes. So now, before we go on to the limited overs matches, I think uh, we are still basking in that awesome Sri Lankan victory, right? Absolutely. So in South Africa. So if you were to look at some of the fallouts of what was happening, I think South Africa dropped to number three. I saw. I thought of mentioning it already in the previous uh, episode, but I was not sure. I, I could not confirm it, but now it's been confirmed. So South Africa have fallen to number three and New Zealand moved to number two in the world test rankings. I think Mm -hmm. this is the first time ever since uh, rankings began uh, calculated. And even even if you go back in time, New Zealand have apparently never been number two in the world in tests. So, you know, this this awesome team that has been led by an awesome captain in Kane Williamson, they are having their just rewards, one might say. And uh, before the match began, I think Kane Williamson was asked this in the... A press interview, and he said, you know, they are more concentrating on playing good cricket rather than where the rankings take them and so on. But I think that attitude will carry them very far. They have a fulcrum of a very strong team. I think uh, they have an attack that could still has two or three years under the belt left. Uh, Ross Taylor is getting along in the tooth, but Henry Nichols seems to have come in the right time. They have a good couple of openers. Kane Williamson himself looks good. So they have a team that can be, you know, very good for three to four years to come easily. What do you think? Yeah
0: yeah i think so too i think so too i think uh, they have the right mix uh, they we, we already know i think they they were the second best in odi cricket
1: mm-hmm. now they
0: have also moved to uh, the top 2 uh, in test cricket so which is good it just shows that they're a good all-round team you know not just odi or
1: uh, but also in test cricket um, indeed indeed yeah. that, that that's a very important thing you're saying of course and i think overall all-round brilliance comes through no matter the Uh, you know the format of the game because uh, sort of all winning teams you see they pick up this momentum they might be good in one format it translates easily to the other and it happens easily more easily if it starts at the top format if i may say that you know if if it if a test team of a particular country becomes really good you will see this success also translate into one day or t 20s i think Mm. the other way is a bit tough but uh, it always happens that winning mentality is built in the team
0: yeah i'm not saying it's uh, being a top team in one day cricket is less important but for me it looks like that because for me you know i guess we are purists so no, yeah uh, whichever team is up the ladder in test rankings you know, because it's they are there because they have done well so of course you know i'm very biased towards test cricket so
1: no i think uh, we know this we, we are self proclaimed purists and we are sort of we still believe in the primacy of test cricket as a you know, test of skills, right, cricketing yeah, skills. Absolutely, yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. You know, once there is this couple of test championships that roll through in these two, two-year periods, maybe in about three or four test championships, we'll really know how far Test cricket has come to uh, weather the storm that uh, limited overs cricket T20, you know, has brought. Let's see. We definitely believe there is a future here. Well, let's find out. I mean, I was reading a couple of articles, a couple of, uh, already in a couple of years now, when T20 took the world by storm, many people felt one dayers could be the one that might lose out. Tests will stay, T20s will stay, but one dayers might become irrelevant. But we still have a four-year, you know, period for a World Cup. We'll see. We'll see what Mm. they have to do about it, right? Let's see what the administrators have to say. So going forward, the other big news still sort of uh, related to South Africa Sri Lanka series or an aftermath of that is Duane Olivier who has decided to quit South African cricket and go join Colpac. And uh, he has a deal, a three-year deal with Yorkshire. Uh, What are your thoughts on this, Giri?
0: So uh, he's following the same route as uh, Kyle Abbott. I think he was the last South African, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. To go Colpac. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, This is a shocker for me. I think um, we also, what he was capable of. We saw he, how well he bowled uh, against Pakistan to start with,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and then against uh, also Sri Lanka. And he has a test match average uh, per wicket, I think, of 20 or even less than 20. He is very capable of uh, achieving a lot more. He could have easily had 200 test wickets uh, for South Africa if uh, if he had played for another 40 or 50 test matches.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's a
0: huge shame if you are a South African cricket fan. you. Uh, Especially um, somebody who you know um, is a fan of uh, South African international cricket team, Proteas team, you would really mm-hmm. feel sad about this because. Of course. Uh, maybe he, he has his reasons. Uh, I'm sure, uh, and um, he wants to, you know, uh, prolong his career, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not just stick to international cricket, but also have a maybe a study income. Maybe he has other reasons that we have not heard about. But it's a shame, uh, but. If it works for him, very good.
1: Yeah. Well, look, uh, you're absolutely right. You know, the, it, there might be financial considerations. If a Three-year county deal would not be an insubstantial one, right? And I think the counties sometimes pay better than certain national teams, even. Mm-hmm. But also another important point to bring up here. I would like to go on and discuss this, but uh, I think we were uh, assuming probably Kyle Abbott was the last, mm-hmm. right, of such yeah. a person. But no, I think there have been five other people since. Five other oh, South really? Africans,
0: okay. I mean. mm-hmm. okay. So there's
1: been Riley Russo, there's been Marchand DeLanga, there's been Haino mm-hmm. Kuhn, Morne Morkel, mm-hmm. and Wayne Parnell. So, even Parnell has gone call back. So, really?
0: there have been five people,
1: yes, who have hmm. since Kyla Bot. It seems like a long time ago or a very short time ago, depending on how you look at it. 2017 was when Kyla Bot sort of hanged up his shoes for South African and went over, right? But then in, by 2019, we have five more South African players who decided to take the same route. I think, I mean, I will I will say this. It is, it's a bit of a you know controversial statement to say, but every one of these persons who have gone over is… Uh, is not a coloured player, if I may use that term, right? I think mm-hmm. there may be a little bit of discontent brewing among the uh, people from South Africa who are, uh, you know, of uh, you know Caucasian descent, who may be playing cricket. There may have some amount of discontent about the quota system that's been in place there. But uh, look, um, maybe the, some of the very deserving players may not get a chance. But for me, that quota system is put in place with a reason. Right, this mm-hmm. transformation in cricket has to happen there. If that means they lose a few of these players, a few, mm-hmm. few of very talented players, you can you can count all of these as very talented, right? Kyla Bot or Rile Russo or Marchant Langa or Morne Malkal. Morne and Heino Kuhn, I think, were coming to the end of their careers. But Wayne Parnell and Duan Olive again, were very talented people, especially just to uh, come back to Duan Olive, I think he he took the test world by storm almost, if we can talk it like this. So in 10 tests, he had 48 wickets, at an average under 20, as you say, he was the rising star of South African fast bowling, if you may say. Rabada is a proven, you know, proven quantity. You have Lungi and Giddy, who are sort of in the wings, but uh, Dale Stein is, you know, he's counting out his last few seasons if at all, right? So this guy could could have taken one of those spots eventually, but I think there is a certain amount of, you know, as you say, frustration or uh, discontent about uh, how this cast uh, what do you call it uh, quota system effect. Uh, white cricketers of South Africa but also the other thing this is a very crucial point I think you said this to me off air right the after Brexit maybe some of these conditions the Kolpak itself may not be relevant anymore correct the moment Great Britain leaves EU the Kolpak if you just look at the ruling of what Kolpak was it began with you know um, Slovak handball player called Marosh Kolpak who you know got a ruling in 2003 which said that because EU was a part of Call Pack, it would apply there, and uh, it would make him a local. So, be- mm-hmm. anybody who has a contract with a European organisation would yeah. then get to play in in another European organisation mm-hmm. as a local, not as an export, you know, or an import. Sorry, that that is the main difference here. The moment Britain exits EU, they are no longer a part of EU. Therefore, a Call Pack deal can't be signed anymore. You know, I so understand. you could you could almost say this this call pack system for cricket at least
0: hmm.
1: in English domestic cricket is sort of coming to a natural end because of Brexit. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. At least countries like South Africa who are facing a bit of a talent drain would probably welcome it. You know, if you look at the list of call pack players, you can very clearly see South Africa is probably contributing to about 90 percent of the people who chose. There is a Zimbabwean, right? There's one New Zealander, but all South African is in Grand yet, but still New Zealander. And there are a bunch of uh, West Indian players, right? Yeah. So uh, there are a bunch of Barbadans. There are, uh, there's one Jamaican. There's, uh, there are a couple of Jamaicans, I think. And there's one Guyanese and a surprising G- Guyanese at that. Uh, you know, she's not not Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Good pick there. Now, but when you look at all that. that any of these countries could ill afford to lose their talent, but those people who are looking to convert their end of career gains like Chandrapal or Grant Elliott or Haino or Mono to an extent, right? These people, you can't begrudge them. But somebody who's very young, Stian Fonseil or Simon Harmer, or Gerhardus William or Wayne Parner, or Duan Olive, that would be a real real loss, one would think. But look, their fast bowling stocks are strong i'll be will be again a bit controversial but i'll say it irrespective of the color the people who are making the south african team are doing wonderfully well when it comes to fast bowling correct and i think that that system should not be should not really get to affect what's going on here and if there is a little bit of a talent drain i think south african system will su- will survive this and it'll be a matter of one or two generations and then it will not matter i think this system will be taken away and then uh, once the certain amount of unification is reached in percentage of chances that are given I think this uh, this system can be taken out. I think that's how it will be. And if call pack deals that counties sign with players has been naturally brought to an end, I think South Africa will get to keep more players in their own system. You know, maybe the players may not get to earn as much as they would wish, but there are T20 leagues around the world for that. So this is an entirely different discussion. I don't want to go down that path. But yes, uh, any other thoughts, Kiri?
0: No, I think you've uh, covered pretty much everything there. Um, it's it's a mm-hmm. loss, South Africa's loss, uh, basically. But uh-huh. they have more uh, bench strength like Engedi. And uh, who, who was the other uh, guy, uh, South African fastballer, who made his debut, I think, in T20 against uh, Pakistan? I forgot his name.
1: Ah, good question. <laughs> it doesn't Epan come Arnis,
0: to me. Something like that. Exactly. So, they have more people coming up. Uh, exactly. exactly. And I heard one of these guys on Guerrilla Cricket, speak mm-hmm. about somebody uh, who is just a 16 year old I don't know which club he plays at but this 16 year old uh-huh. he is capable of bowling 130 135 already apparently so there are more okay. people uh, in stock so
1: he'll see and he's well. only going to gain strength
0: as you say yeah absolutely yeah another four years he will be bowling yeah. 140 plus
1: for sure. All right. Indeed. No, that's a that's a good point as well. You got it right. So uh, they have good strong bowling stocks. You know, there's also somebody called Junior Dala. He plays the limited horse cricket for South Africa. Mm-hmm. And he's good as well. He's in his mid twenties, I think, but he's very good. And I cannot still, for the life of me, recollect that fast bowler. Yeah, is good. I, I, I know I that remember. Lutho Sipamla. C- yeah? Ah sipamla. Lutho
0: sipamla. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Good point so um while i was looking for the you know the name i came across another point i think we should just quickly cover it sure Uh, i don't know if you saw the squad that was announced by south africa for their one day series against sri lanka
0: no there
1: is a crucial emission Mm -hmm. Amla has been left
0: Amla, yeah
1: yeah 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 Amla has been left out to the one day squad the rest of the squad looks sort of predictable. I think Domini has still not been able to make his comeback. He started at T 20 only today, if I'm not wrong, right? But um, he's still not full back to full fitness, so we can't say about that. But Amla has been left out. I think this might be a signal, you know, we were sort of discussing in the last episode. Maybe the great man is coming to the end of a career, right? Uh, maybe this is a signal that's been given by the selectors that they would, la- they would rather play somebody younger, you know, and try to see if they can fit uh, one of those people rather than Amla being given in the one day It comes as a bit of shock, unless they have a different idea that they want to rest him, right? Because yeah. his, his one day record is very good. Even though his test match record was sort of lagging a little, he kept performing in one day so If I'm not wrong, he still has we're close to 8,000 runs and a lot of hundreds. I was seeing one of these stats, you know. Amla is one of those people who scored uh, very quick rates and uh, very high average. That puts him in one of the top few you know, ODI batsmen of his era. And he also scored 30% of all his one-day runs through hundreds. Only Kohli and a few other people have such numbers, right? So he's right up there. So it could be that he's been rested. So I would not rather speculate, but it could very well be that you know selectors might have decided they would rather let him uh, have, save his best innings for the tests for South Africa. We'll see how this you know, pans out. Lungi Ngidi has made a comeback. He was injured, but he's made a comeback. So all that is good, right? So. Uh, unless you have anything else to add here, Giri, I think let's no, move no, on. I
0: think uh, let's move on, yeah.
1: All right. So, uh, now uh, let me quickly uh, take us through the India women versus England women uh, one-day series that was in progress in India, right? Mm-hmm. So, there have been two days played in the interim. So, the second day was played in, on 25th of Feb, and the third was played on 27th Feb. The Indian women won the series comfortably 2-1. And uh, if you were to look at the individual results, The second uh, one there was an interesting one, because if you remember the first one, uh, England uh, sort of were uh, stopped by the Indian spinners. But in the second one, the Indian fast bowling women sort of came to the fore. And basically, Shikha Pandey and uh, Chulan Goswami, between them, took eight wickets and restricted England to 161. Uh, I think we just covered this briefly in the last one. So um, this total was very easily chased by the England women. Uh, Indian women, I mean. So, India took uh, the 2-0 lead going into the last one-dayer, which was held in Mumbai. And then, in the third one-dayer, England struck back. So, this is also, as I mentioned in the previous episode, this is a a very tight, uh, you know, contest for points that are being recorded, you know. And uh, England were able to go away with two points rather than give all three matches to India or all six points to India here. And England fought back fantastically. So first of all, they restricted India to just 205 in 50 overs. You know, Mandana and uh, Purnima routes this time who batted three, made 50s. And the rest of Indian middle order sort of could not do much. And uh, Deepti Sharma made it 27. And then Shika Pandey in the end contributed 26, making sure India crossed 200. And a lot of credit to, you know, Catherine Brunt, the England fast bowling women, or England fast bowler, who took a five for for just 28 runs in 10 hours. And then even though the target did not look very challenging, Indian fast bowling women again struck back. So Julan Goswami dis- dismissed the first three English batsmen very cheaply, English batswomen, And then uh, Heather Knight again stood out. She made a 47. But then England were in trouble. So chasing 206 to win, they were uh, 49 for five and uh, so there was a chance again they would fall away but then the lower order started batting really well. So first of all Heather Knight was supported by uh, Wyatt who made a half century as well and then I think she's Danny Wyatt if I'm not wrong. So she made a half century and uh, she was uh, then later supported by uh, Elvis, Georgia Elvis and Catherine Brunt herself and they took England home with about seven balls to spare and with eight wickets down. So it was really a thrilling match, but England deservedly won the match and uh, India won the series 2-1, right? So Catherine Brunt was declared the man of, or the woman of the match for her performance. So it was a fantastic one day series. I think they will play a couple of uh, T20s that follow and uh, we will talk about it in the upcoming episodes, I'm sure, right? This was a quick roundup of the, you know, the Indian and the England women's teams playing their one days. So now if you were to move on, I think now we can go to the other big series that's going yeah. on, one-day series. Yeah. So, as we know, the third one there was rained out. It was at Granada, St. George's. But the fourth one was also in the same ground, in Granada. Would you like to take us to what happened in that match, Giri?
0: Yeah, uh, let's go to that briefly. Um, West Indies won the toss and they decided to field first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, England, uh, th- first of all, I think the pitch was a true pitch. Uh, true bounce. There was nothing in there for the bowlers. It mm-hmm. was a batting paradise. Uh, At all. And a and highway as you yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you can call it that. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think England uh, uh, showed that it was a good batting pitch. Uh, they had a very good opening partnership uh, between uh, Johnny Best and uh, Alex Hales. Both mm-hmm. of them made 50s. Um, Alex Hales made 82 runs. And um, they scored 100 runs for the opening wic- opening partnership, after mm-hmm. which Joe Root um, couldn't uh, make a big score. He got out for five. Um, and then was the big party between uh, Owen Morgan and uh, Joss Butler. Both of uh-huh. them made centuries, very quick centuries. Uh, Owen Morgan uh, made his century in 88 balls, 87 balls, I think. He got out immediately after that uh, mm-hmm. for 103 runs um but the star of the show for the english cricket team uh, mm-hmm. was Joss butler um who made 150 runs i think that's his highest score uh, in one day uh-huh.
1: yeah probably
0: yeah i'm yes. not 100% yes. sure i think it
1: is No, it is it is his highest yeah. score in one day
0: so yes. and Josh butler coming in at number 5 playing 150 runs he took only 77 deliveries to score those 150 runs
1: Indeed. which
0: included 13 fours and 12 sixes Wow. <laughs> and together, I think 6, 12, and 24 sixes in England's batting innings.
1: Indeed. Uh, this, was this happens
0: to be the highest. Yeah, this is a record.
1: Indeed.
0: Indeed. For any ODI team. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, courtesy of all this, England made 418 runs. 418 runs, I repeat. For six yeah. wickets in 50 overs. Um, so, Indeed. <laughs> can you believe that the people are scoring 400 runs now in uh, one-day cricket? Unbelievable. Um, but I, I, I saw some of the strokes that uh, Josh Butler played. It looked like he was playing golf, basically. He was getting underneath every single one of those over pitch deliveries, even low full tosses, and hoiking them over mid wicket or long on. Such clean hitting. I haven't seen such clean hitting in quite a while. And this was not mm-hmm. brute power, this was very good timing and uh, uh, use of wrists and hands, you know, very fast hands, but very malleable wrists. It was a joy to watch him play those uh, shots. Um, I think there was a ball by O'Shane Thomas. Uh, mm-hmm. It was coming in quite fast. It was a low full toss. And he hoiked this over mid-wicket. It was pure joy to see that kind of hitting. At the same time, I felt really sorry for the bowlers. Because there was nothing in the pitch. And, Indeed. Uh, when Of course. Um, uh, there was nothing good to talk about uh, regarding the bowlers. Uh, apart from, I would say, Carlos Breathwhite. Who got two wickets for 69 runs mm-hmm. in his 10 overs. Um And uh, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it that Everyone else got gone, went for runs uh, When you look at the score of 418 You can imagine that uh, all of them got a beating Proper beating mm-hmm. Now when West Indies came out to bat uh, They lost their opener uh, John Campbell uh, When the score was 24 runs And uh, Shea Hope mm-hmm. came in But he didn't capitalize He didn't really continue to make a big score He got out for 5 And mm-hmm. um, and in came Dwayne Brow, uh, sorry Darren Bravo. I always forget that name, Darren Bravo. Um, yeah. Who joined uh, Christopher Henry Gale, universe boss. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was uh, one of the best. I think this is a memorable innings that uh, Chris Gale produced for us. Together with Bravo, they put on uh, a partnership for very close to 200 runs. I would say, I think 180, 190 runs. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bravo made 50 uh, runs, scored a 50, he got 61 from 59 deliveries, four sixes. But Chris Gale stood out. Uh, He scored 162, a big Mm hundred, from 97 deliveries, which included Mm -hmm. 11 fours and 14 sixes. So his boundary hitting, uh, he he broke some records there. So the first one was uh, the number of sixes in international cricket. I think he has 500 sixes now. All cricket. Test one day and uh, T20. The second one was, uh, I think he has 300 one-day international sixes, if I'm not wrong. The third one was, he uh, finished or he completed 10,000 runs in one-day cricket. I think we had kind of expected him to do it in this series, but not so soon. The previous match was washed out. So this is effectively the third match of the series. And he managed to achieve that feat of 10,000 uh, one-day runs. So, well done to him. So, he broke some records there. But unfortunately, he didn't stay there till the end, which would have been nice. But, you know, he was, I think, tired as well. He got out uh, in the 35th over. Um, mm-hmm. West Indies showed some brief hope there. I think guys like uh, Carlos Brethwaite and Ashley Nuz, both of them played a very good partnership towards the end. Um, so, they put on something like 80, 88 runs for the seventh wicket. Um, Mm -hmm. And Ashley Nurse, well, before that, I have to mention, um, everybody was going for runs here, but Mark Wood, I think he Mm -hmm. was a pick of their bowlers in the first part of the innings. Uh, He got four wickets. The first four wickets were all by Mark Wood. He bowled with Pace, Menace. He got something out of the wicket which no other bowler could in this match, Mm -hmm. until then, of course. So he he got four wickets for 60 runs in his 10 overs. And then, uh, I think this was... The 48th over, and I have to take my hat off for Owen Morgan. He Mm -hmm. introduced um, Adil Rashid, a leg spinner, uh, with about 30 runs required in 30 odd runs required in three overs or something like that, or less than exactly, exactly,
1: exactly. exactly.
0: And I think we spoke about this offline, Ajit. It it really uh, Owen Morgan uh, must be a really brave captain to introduce spin against somebody like Brathwaite who was just slog-sweeping him for a six in the previous uh, over, which uh, Adil, Adil Rashid bowled. Um, so, Adil Rashid was able to get uh, Ash, uh, Ashley Nurse. So, he was able to get his wicket. And the score was 389 runs. And mm-hmm. then West Indies basically imploded from there on.
1: So, Indeed.
0: the very next ball, Carlos Brathwaite was out. Uh, and Adil Rashid was on a hat-trick. Uh, Devendra Bishu, who walked in, was able to avoid the hat-trick, but he got out the very next ball. <laughs> uh, so, Adil Rashid missed out on a hat-trick uh, by one ball. But then, in came O'Shane Thomas, uh, the number 11, and he got, got out the very next ball. So, Adil Rashid mm-hmm. basically had four wickets in five balls. Terrific bowling. Indeed. He flighted the ball, he bowled with a lot of courage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, I think England, in the end, deserved to win, but... Because West Indies were so close to that target of 419 runs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I think you have to really uh, you know, congratulate them for the effort, especially Universe boss Chris Gale mm-hmm. and the lower middle order. If only somebody like Hetmyer uh, had stayed on and made another 20, 30 runs, I think West Indies would have been able to chase this down because they still had two overs remaining. They were bowled out within 48 overs. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, they lost by only 29 runs. So they needed about 30 runs in two hours, which was still manageable if they had wickets till the end. They didn't take it towards the end. I think they had to take it deep, and mm-hmm. I think they missed a trick there. Um, in the end, the, I think there was a tough choice for the player of the match between Chris Gale, Joss Butler, Mark Wood, and Adil Rashid, because I Indeed. think all of their uh, performances made an impact in this match. Uh-huh. But uh, Joss Butler was awarded the man of the match because I think in the end he took England's score to beyond 400 mm-hmm. uh, without that uh, that kind of an innings I don't think England would have managed to uh, achieve that score so well done to him and to England uh, cricket team uh, but mm-hmm. also well done to West Indies for coming up so close to that target uh, mm-hmm. uh, everything to look forward to in the next match at uh, Grosile uh, yeah. yeah. St. Yeah. round. Lo- so looking forward to that
1: well Look, you covered most of the points. Just I'll go backwards with your comments mm-hmm. because the first thing I would like to debate is I think Bishu deserved the man of the match. Sorry, um, <laughs> sorry, not Bishu, mm-hmm. Adil Rashid. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because uh, look, uh, even with three overs, uh, 30 runs, this is a normal gettable T20 score. And if Brathwaite and Nurse, who are both more than 40, so very well set, they had already added 88 runs, as you said, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that was the crucial over. He broke the match right there right? Indeed, everything leading up to that point was very good and uh, Josh Butler, you know, his innings was probably the best innings I've seen in a very long time. You're absolutely right. But uh, in this case, I would have given it to Bishu, sorry, to Rashid. I don't know why Bishu again. But uh, (laughs) I have a point. I have a point tell you that. But the point is Rashid deserved it, and you captured it absolutely right. I think Ian Morgan gambling captain, that was a big gamble, and it paid off. On another day, there will come such a day when it will not pay off, and I'm really hoping they don't lose heart. What I've seen is Ian Morgan has has you know um, backed Rashid to come good twice. If you remember, even in the uh, you know in the um, second match, I think uh, Rashid closed the innings off along with uh, Ben Stokes. And he, even though he went for a few runs, between them, they restricted West Indies to under 300. Even in the first match, he was able to do the same thing, where West Indies could have reached 400, so to say. And him, they kept it back, right? So I think he has a defined role in this team. He doesn't come on until it's about 27, 28th over, and then he tries to, you know, bowl at the back end. Mm-hmm. And he also showed, again, now this is where Bishu comes in. He showed the real difference between a leg spinner who is bowling with confidence, A wrist spinner takes the pitch out of the equation, Warren always says, and it's true, right? Because he can get bounce and turn, even on a sort of a flat, you know, runway sort of a pitch. And in this case, this showed the difference where one spinner who's bowling with the backing of his captain and bowling with all the confidence is able to turn the match on its head in a matter of five balls. You know, I've seen it in our uh, domestic and, uh, you know, club games that we play. A good leg spinner can really make a difference. He can also choke a team or he could just... This was a team in a matter of a couple of hours. So this happened here. And West Indies lost their last four wickets without the addition of a single run. That was a bit of a surprise. But it happens, right? Even at the highest level, he showed this. On the other hand, Bishu was really disappointing. He was bowling a bunch of pies. And it was really bad. Because uh, you would expect this, this sort of a guy, even though I don't mind if you go for 85 in such a match, right? Because everybody's getting hit. Can you buy me four or five wickets? That's the whole point. And that's exactly the sort of analysis Rashid has. 85 for five. Right. Yeah. That, that that's a very important point. I would have given Rashid the man of the match, but look, as some you know, some podcast put it, uh, universe boss versus universe jaws. Mm-hmm. This is what the contest was all about, and apparently the contribution from universe boss was not enough in the end. But he played a fantastic innings. Just one small statistical highlight: what you already mentioned, Gail completed 10,000 ODI runs with his 500th international six.
0: Wow.
1: That was the. That was a nice point. I think uh, Guerrilla Cricket uh, mentioned this live on air when they were covering the match, right? Uh-huh. And then, of course, um, he becomes the second West Indian after LARA to complete 10,000 runs. You know, Chandrapal had a chance, but I don't think Chandrapal can anymore. We don't know if there will... We don't know who the next 10,000, uh, you know, run-making one day uh, in West Indian, the player who would be. I think I might express that, but I think you get the sense. Maybe it's a uh, hope, I don't know if Bravo has enough hope, time to yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, or Hetmyer if he, he's young. And mm-hmm. We hope one of these players is able to stick long enough with the team without having enough squabbles with the management and such that they get yeah. the long run, one days, and they get to 10,000 runs because they have produced fantastic batsmen over the years and they deserve yeah. to get there, right? Uh, one small point about Ayan Morgan as a batter here. I think he did a fantastic job. So uh, why I credited him with a lot of uh, you know good things here is during the boring mid-lowers, once Hales and Bastor did their work and Hales got out, there was a little bit of a lag in momentum because Butler himself was 40 of 40 or some such. He was not exploding from ball number one. So Butler, for his last 100 runs, took 31 balls, right? So he was nearly 42, 43, ball 50 or thereabouts. Then he exploded. All this was possible because Owen Morgan was scoring at a strike rate of about 120 right throughout. Owen Morgan himself hit six sixers, Right. Yeah. And then he scored 100 off just 88 eight balls. So, a lot of credit goes to Owen Morgan, who made sure the boring middle overs did not take a grip on his team and he kept the scoreboard churning over at a very fast pace. Uh, and somebody pointed out very correctly, I think it, it might have been Guerrilla Cricket on their commentary, that this is the difference between England and India, the first and the second ranked teams in one day cricket, right? Mm-hmm. England never stop. India have a format where they say we set up a good base and then we launch from there. The very traditional way of playing one day cricket. So uh, they said no matter what, if India were to be chasing this 418, they would be still going for you know 50 52 for no loss at the end of 10 hours, then they would go all out, right? This England team has a slightly different approach, they go all out from ball one until ball 300 or something, right? This might mean they, they might go to 60 all out, but this might mean they might get to 400 more often than not. If you look at the trends of this series. West Indies would look like they would breach 400 in the first match. England breached it in the fourth one, right? And even the second match was a very high scorer. So I think this is sort of trending to show us the World Cup might be a very high scoring affair overall, right? Mm. And players like all over playing in T20 leagues all over the world, the power hitting is now a common thing, right? Mm. Even test batsmen who are very good in tests like Kohli or somebody, When they choose to hit, they hit really hard. Even, for example, Pujara, he completed a T20, right, recently in Syed Mushta Kali Trophy. Yeah. Uh, 30, 40 balls, whatever. (laughs) He said he was not surprised. Best of the world was, he said. And rightfully so. But that's what we are trying to say. There is this clean hitting now, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, even though the World Cup T20, uh, sorry, the World uh, Cup 2019 would be played with the Dukes, Right? Mm -hmm. This is a very close tie-up, or a very close toss-up, I think, between Dukes and Kukapura. But I think Dukes is still retaining. The White Dukes are still the one that will be used. Unless it's a world uh, body ruling and they play with Kukapura. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, if there is no Dukes used, I think there's not enough swing and seam. But since they play with two new balls, there would be enough for the new ball bowlers. But I have a a feeling it will be a very Mm high-scoring World Cup.
0: Yeah, another did? point I would uh, like to mention here, Rajit, is uh-huh. that, uh, you know, this this whole concept of using two new balls on both ends uh, came about a few years ago. Uh, until then, they said the bowlers did not have any chance, right? And as it turns out, because there is a newish ball all through the innings, you know, it's it's probably only 25 oversold uh-huh,
1: uh, uh-huh.
0: each ball. So, it's kind of, it kind of, kind of uh, stays fresh and it's probably helping the batsmen even more than the bowlers. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't you think? Because um, you look at all these games, uh, England and West Indies, they've all been high-scoring games. Maybe this is telling us something, you know?
1: Uh, it has also something to do with, you know, we discussed this at the end of the first match where I think Ian Bishop or somebody pointed out, the pitches are not spicy enough. It's a road right or a highway or a runway whatever you call it that's the whole point i don't mind if there is a du- you know dual bounce nature of the pitch or a little bit of a, you know uh, that that would add something that would give the bowler something to work with and give the batsman okay. some thought to wait and see what the ball is doing but this is really not i mean it's really a hitting all out but well that's what cricket is evolving towards you know hmm. you have these tough additional test matches out there and sometimes occasionally like if you look at the women's uh, one-day series that happened in India I think it was tough and attritional throughout so there might be an occasional series where it might be tough and attritional but overall ODIs are indeed tending to go towards very high scoring so it's like yeah. you know 300 310 is not a very big score anymore apparently mm-hmm. right? it's going to be all right so that was the quick roundup of West Indian uh, West Indies versus England yeah now if you were to go further there have been uh, a couple of, uh, you know, matches between Afghan Afghanistan and Ireland, both being played in India, in Dehradun, right? Uh, so, there was a third T20, which Afghanistan won comfortably again. So, they first batted and they set a target of 211. So, the first two matches, Ireland had batted. But in the third match, Afghanistan got a chance to bat first. And they showed how good a batting team they are. And they scored 211, right? Mohamed Nabi scored a fantastic 80. And then, uh, when, they, when it came uh, time to bowl, the bowlers were, of course, very strong right? They comfortably restricted um, uh, Ireland to 170. And that is in, in you know, T20 terms, 178, only Ireland were able to get to. It was sort of a foregone conclusion, so to say. Uh, some highlights from this match, Rashid took a hat-trick, Rashid Khan, the leg break bowler. He took Pfeiffer and he took a hat-trick, right? And the, along with Nabi's 81, these were the two really highlights as far as uh, Afghanistan were concerned. So Afghanistan took the trophy 3-0. The series 3-0, and Mohammad Nabi was voted not only the player of the match but also the player of the series. So, in spite of strong performances from Rashid Khan, he was able to keep out uh, Rashid Khan from the man of the series, which was a bit surprising for me. That's a quick roundup of the T20, and today, that is on 28th, there was a uh, one-dayer that was played between Afghanistan and uh, Ireland again. And in this match as well, you know, uh, again Afghanistan showed how 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 well equipped they are as far as you know. Uh, an Indian condition or an Asian condition is concerned, because um, they were able to bowl first and restrict Ireland to just 161. Paul Sterling nearly carried his bat in a one day innings. He was able to drag Ireland all the way to the 50th over, but they were only able to make 161. He made 89, and he was the last man dismissed. And uh, when it comes to bowling, I think Dawlat Zadran and Mujibur Rahman, the mystery leg break bowler that they have. You know, Mujibur Rahman had an analysis of 10 overs, 14 for three. Uh, That's astonishing. So he took three wickets. And Dalad Zadran, who bowls medium fast, took three wickets as well. Uh, Rashid Khan didn't have much to do, but he still was able to go at at only three and over. And effectively, this is not a very tough chase. So I think Afghanistan did a bit of a rejig with their batting order. The really good batsmen, like their captain, batted uh, really near the end of the chase. And they chose to promote uh, Gulbuddin Naib ahead at uh, number five. And he was able to make it count. He scored a 46. And... Uh, to go with his two wickets while bowling, he was named the man of the match. So, mm-hmm. Afghanistan lead the five-match series 1-0. So, I think they are going to be a team to look out for in the one-day World Cup as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a good uh, series that's been set up. Yeah. Now, uh, going further, um, if you were to now look at uh, quickly the T20 series between India and Australia, yeah. uh, there were two matches and both of them were played uh, between the two podcasts. Uh, with the last yeah. episode and this one, would you like to take us through the two yeah. The, uh,
0: T20s? Yeah, I, I will just skim through them. Um, the first one was at uh, Vishakapatnam. Um, Australia won the toss and uh, inserted India to bat first. Um, looking at the, <clears throat> sorry, uh, looking at the uh, score that India produced at the end of their innings, mm-hmm. I think it was below par. Uh, India sure. made 126. For the loss of seven wickets, mm-hmm. uh, while Australia made a mock of it towards the end, although they managed to uh, chase it down, you know, on the last ball. So, uh, so well done to Australia. They won it. Uh, uh, very, it was a close spot mm-hmm. match. It shouldn't have been such a close spot match. So, looking at India's Agreed. batting, yeah, <laughs> India's, India's batting card. Um, Rohit Sharma and uh, KL Rahul opened the innings. Uh, Rohit Sharma made five runs. He got out cheaply but uh, kl rahul making a comeback into the indian cricket team he had a very good series we'll go to the second match as well a little bit later but he made a 50 in this first match uh, and it was a very fast 50 it was not he looked fluent basically he was uh, seemed mm-hmm. to be back in his groove so which which is good for indian cricket uh, and he seems to have left his uh, baggage behind in all the mental uh, stuff that happened in between uh, uh, the um, australian and uh, new zealand tours uh-huh. um, so uh, I'll I'll come to that towards the end of uh, this uh, series. We, we may have a couple of points about that uh, about KL Rahul's uh, Kale Rahul's uh, revival. Um, uh-huh. Virat Kohli got a start, didn't really go on and make a big score. Risha Pant was a failure; was run out, um, uh, and they were left with uh, you know guys like Mahindra Singh Dhoni, Dinesh Karthik, Krunal Pandya, and Umesh Yadav. Basically, the tail, uh, except for Mahindra Singh Dhoni, nobody really contributed. And Dhoni himself was very mm-hmm. scratchy. Uh, he was yeah. fidgety. He was not really fluent. And uh, India could have easily made another 20 runs had there been any impetus in the middle order. There was no real momentum there. They lost momentum. Whatever mo- momentum KL Rahul had provided at the top of the innings. Uh, so um, mm-hmm. so basically, uh, they, they, the Australians... Restricted India to 126 for seven runs. The star of the Mm -hmm. show for Australia was Nathan Kutlanyar, who got three wickets Mm -hmm.
1: um,
0: for 26 runs in his four overs. And of course, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jason uh, Berendorf. uh, Let's Uh remember that he also had a good series uh, against India way back home uh, in Australia. He evolved really well in the T20s there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, Pat Cummins, you know, you cannot keep him out of uh, the game. He was very exceptional. I think he was exceptional. Um, He bowled four overs for 19 runs. You know, that's unbelievable in the 320 20 game. And even picked up a wicket. (laughs) And uh, Darcy Darcy Short, sorry, uh, Mm -hmm. he rolled his arm over for a couple of overs, just considered 10 runs. So you can look at India's score and then compare these bowling figures. Everybody was very economical. Um, Australia, they kind of lost their first couple of wickets very quickly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, stoyness and uh, Aaron Finch, both of them got out in single digits. Um, but uh, they were stabilised by uh, a good, steady partnership between uh, Darcy Short and uh, Glenn Maxwell. Darcy Short played a runner-ball 37, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Glenn Maxwell, uh, he, he, he scored... At better than a runner ball, he made 56. He managed to score a 50. In, mm-hmm. um, uh, so he made 56 from 43 deliveries, which is, uh, four six fours and two sixes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he was uh, the best batsman out there in their team. And after that, when he got out, uh, he held out to Rahul um, uh, in long off against Jal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia kind of lost their way. They lost quick wickets, very, very, uh, in quick succession, basically, when Maxwell got out, um, in, I think, 10 or 12 runs, Darcy Short got out, and then, uh, Ashton Turner, Peter Hanscom, uh, and also Nathan Coulter-Nile, all of these guys, got out, Uh primarily because, um, the 19th over, was bowled by, Jaspreet Brumrah, Jaspreet Brumrah, Jaspreet Brumrah, I'm really sorry, um, uh, you, 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 we all know what he's capable of Not just at the beginning of an innings But especially towards the end of an innings He bid, he bowled a peach of a 19th over um, uh-huh. in, in which he managed to pick up two wickets And I think considered only three runs or something So it was unimaginable Absolutely wonderful performance from him To pull mm-hmm. the game back in India's favour uh, And uh, Australia were left with 14 runs of the last over. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and the last over was bowled by uh, Umesh Yadav. Yeah. He looked a bit offbeat and uh, he considered a boundary. Uh, well, Pat Cummins actually hit a boundary very nicely. So, we have to uh, also give him credit for placing that shot, you know, that full toss from uh, Umesh Yadav outside the off stump It was a cover boundary. So, uh, they were rescued by Pat Cummins and... Uh, uh, Jai Richardson towards the end. Mm-hmm. So they both of them managed to hold their nerve, uh, and is is very. Uh, it was a uh, an important thing to note that the last ball of the innings they needed two runs of the last mm-hmm. ball, and mm-hmm. they basically tipped they, they did a tip and run, so they just played the ball out just towards the edge of the f- thirty yard circle, and then they ran really hard, finished mm-hmm. the two runs, and um, they basically managed to win it in the end. Um, for his uh, stellar performance with the ball, Nathan Kultenile was awarded the player of the match. I'm very mm-hmm. happy to see when a bowler is given the player of the match award, especially in a T20 game. We don't get to see that a lot these days. Um, mm-hmm. So, well done to him. And Australia took a lead of 1-0 in the first match um, after Vishaka Putnam, at Vishakapatnam.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add there? Well, I mean, just a couple of quick points. So you've covered most of the points uh, that I was talking. If you look at it, I think Dhoni, the engine of Dhoni's machinery is a bit slow to get uh, warmed up because of his, uh, let's say, advancing years, if I may put it like this. Because it looks like, you know, uh, we'll talk about it in the second one, I'm sure. But he was again a bit slow. He sort of was not uh, willing to expose Chahal, who was batting with him towards the end of the Indian innings, to Pat Cummins and Nathan Coulter Nile because I think he chose to do that. We don't know what would have happened if he had not done that, right? One always thinks, what if? But then he himself was not able to really accelerate. He took 37 balls over his 29. In the end, the number of runs he put on board nearly proved to be enough. I think uh, you are right, Umesh Yadav was a bit off-color. I think Boombra deserves all the credit for giving him 14 runs for the last over. But one would think with such a high spirit maybe Umesh Adhav let the team down a little in the, la- in the first one there, right? That's the way I look at it. But it was not... It, so these things in T20, I think chasing 15 in the last hour of a T20 is very common these days. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, two good hits. So, Pat Cummins and both Pat Cummins and Jay Richardson, they played yeah. very intelligent cricket. They beat the tip and run. And also the boundary that Jay Richardson hit of Umesh Adhav. So both Pat Cummins and Jay Richardson, Jay Richardson hit a boundary each. And uh, both were... Very clever shots, in as much that they were aware of the field when they placed those boundaries. They were placed rather than hit. Right, Mm -hmm. that came through their cricketing now. So the cricketing awareness came through even in the last ball when they knew if they were to just place the ball as you said to the 30-yard circle, there was a high likelihood they would comfortably finish the second run. Right, and it uh, transpired like that. So uh, this showed that you know this sort of evolution of. Uh, how T20 cricket is happening. Uh, This is very interesting. So, even though there was a good match, which uh, you were rightfully pointed out, Australia made it difficult. Glenn Maxwell scored a wonderful 50, and there was nobody to support him, right? Otherwise, this would have been a cakewalk. Should have been a cakewalk. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, Australia are sort of working out a few kinks, and they're trying to get uh, to a good combination. Aston Turner played, right? And uh, maybe even Kwaja may get a game, as they say, during this... Uh, ongoing series. So, they're trying to sort of get their equation right. So, in spite of that, they were able to e- easily clinch uh, the um, match. So, I think we can move on to the second one.
0: Yeah, the second one was played at uh, what I call the Bowlers' Graveyard, because there is nothing in it for the Bowlers at this place.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Uh,
0: unfortunately, I mean, it's it's, it's a, one of our home grounds. So, I, can't, I mean, I shouldn't be saying that, but it's really a worthless pitch. It's just for the, ah. for the batsmen. For T20 cricket, it maybe is. it's high-octane cricket. It's good uh, for the batsmen, but yeah. Well, um, so let's go there. Um, so, Australia won the toss and put India in to bat first. Um, India, this time they played Shikhar Dhawan in place of uh, Rohit Sharma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shikhar Dhawan was a bit... Uh, uh, I think he was not fluent. Uh, he, he made 14 runs, uh, but he took 14 deliveries and then he got out to Berendorf uh, in the end. <laughs> 24
1: deliveries. Right. Yeah, 24 yeah, devil- yeah. deliveries.
0: Classic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, scale Rahul was very fluent. He hit three fours and four sixes in his 47 runs. Uh, unlucky to miss out on a 50 in his home ground, but uh, that was it. Um, and uh, Virat Kohli and I think, let's go to Rishabh Pant. Rishabh Pant was out cheaply. Again, this time he made only one run. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, uh, he, he probably needs a little more time, I think, uh, uh, out in the middle. But he was out uh, for one run. Uh, mm-hmm. But Virat Kohli and MS Dhoni, Mahindra Singh Dhoni, got together. Um, and in, I think India were 74 for three at the end of um, 11 overs. Just over 10 overs. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, Kohli and uh, Mahindra Singh Dhoni basically studied the ship. There, there was a bit of uh, lack of momentum there, and when I, I think when I switched on the television, there were about 90 odd runs in 13 overs, right? Mm-hmm. So from 13 overs until the 20th over, they accelerated the innings beautifully, especially Virat Kohli. He was playing some amazing shots.
1: Also, his mm-hmm. home ground
0: because of RCB connections, of course.
1: Um,
0: so he was hitting, you know, hitting shots with a straight bat unbelievable shots uh, very beautiful uh, uh, to watch uh, it was very mm-hmm. nice to watch of course uh, these two guys got together and then took india's score to uh, 190 at the mm-hmm. end of 20 overs so they basically scored 100 runs in seven or eight overs which was good acceleration uh, although ms dhoni got out towards the end uh, in, in i think in the final over dinesh uh-huh. kartik came in and you know uh, just picked up a couple of cheeky uh, boundaries He made eight runs. You know The finisher that he is 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 always capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Australia, when they came out to bat, I mean, at the end of Indian innings, we have to say that 190 runs at Chinaswami Stadium is probably under par. Uh, Just about. Yeah, just Mm -hmm. about. They were probably 20 runs short, uh, 20, 30 runs short. I think they should have at least crossed 200 runs. Australia, when they came out to bat, they... Again, Marcus Toyn is was a bit of a failure. He didn't move, he didn't get even double figures. He got out to uh, uh Sid Kaul, Siddharth Kaul, who was playing today in place of Umesh Yadav. And mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Finch was also out uh, cheaply for eight runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and when these two guys got out, I think the score was 22 runs for two wickets. And Dashi Short and Glenn Maxwell got together uh, for the and put on a good partnership for the third wicket. They put on a mm-hmm. partnership of 73 runs before uh, Darcy shot got out. And then we witnessed something really special. You have to admire this uh, uh, batting talent that uh, Glenn Maxwell is. Uh, he basically took India out of the park. Uh, he made he 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 took on everybody and then he scored uh, a century. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: He he made 113 runs of 55 deliveries. Four, uh, seven fours and nine sixes in that innings mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: and at the end I think th- th- he was joined by Peter Hanscom uh, when in the end Peter Hanscom was uh, interviewed he said I just had to make sure that I gave enough strike to Maxwell because Maxi was uh, on another planet he was just he was just you know hitting everything out of the park basically mm-hmm. and that was it so Glenn Maxwell was the difference between the two sides and we we know what his talent uh, talents are now what he's capable of and uh, he's mm-hmm. he's probably 30 now. I think he has the right mind maturity uh, mm-hmm. At this point in time to convert that talent into a good result like this So he stayed on till the end and finished the innings for them
1: mm-hmm.
0: Which really bodes well for Australia's preparations uh, For the World Cup. Uh, we have to look out for what he does uh, mm-hmm. In the uh, upcoming one day series, but this is really good for Australian cricket team if you're an Australian cricket fan this is very good because he's converting those starts and making big runs now. So, well done to him. Man mm-hmm. of the match, no surprises there, Glenn Maxwell. And mm-hmm. player of the match as well, Glenn Maxwell, because he made a 50 in the first innings, first 1st first T20 match. Uh-huh. And a 100, a big 100 in this uh, second. Indeed. Decider. Also the player of the
1: series, I think you meant. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's what I said. Yeah, Player of the series for that reason.
1: All right. Now, I think you covered both uh, the matches very succinctly. Uh, the thing is, just a couple of points. So, one, I was sort of disappointed by the lack of effectiveness of our wrist spinners. Yasvindra Chahal was sort of, uh, was not very responsive in both the matches, right? We were just now discussing in the, you know, um, the T20s, uh, one day, uh, while we were talking about Western uh, days.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right? Uh, we sort of had to, you know, say that even in spite of a flat pitch, what the uh, leg break bowler is able to bring. And maybe India may have made a mistake, you know. I don't think he bowled at the right times when Maxwell got set, actually. He sort of went out, went after him, right? Mm. So, I think he was not bowling at the right times. Siddharth Kaul, I think, had a very good match. But then, I think uh, the rest of the Indian bowling, unfortunately, ran into... Uh, very informed, red hot Maxwell. So he sort of hit nine sixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you come back to, you know, just another small point, when you look at both the matches together, Rahul had very good contributions, without a doubt, and he sort of made his place while uh, going into, um, you know, uh, he sort of set the tone for both the innings. But somehow the point in time where he got out was very crucial in both the matches. Sort of there was an immediate deflation in the run scoring the moment he left right mm. he was sort of carrying the uh, innings through because dhawan was struggling to find his feet right but then the moment he got out and that's what contributed to india being 74 3 or 70 for 2 in both the matches if you look at it right for, in mm. the first match they were not able to build what uh, they were able to in the second match but that that point in time where he got out is very crucial i think he himself realizes it right he could have you know hung on a bit longer and made sure he played another three or four overs. You know, it looks like hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah. But it showed in both the matches the same thing happened. The pattern repeated itself while India were batting first, right? You also were saying a couple of other things about Rahul to me off-air.
0: Yeah, Rahul, uh, you know, when uh, he was suspended from uh, playing international cricket, he came back to India and played with uh, India A-team. They played against uh, England Lions or the England A-team. That's what they're called, right? England Lions. Uh-huh. So, had a good series there. But more importantly, in his interview uh, at the end of the match uh, in Bangalore, or in the middle of the innings, I think, when, the, when there was a break, uh-huh. he specifically mentioned about spending time uh, with Rahul Dravid, Rahul Dravid, wow. speaking to him on a okay. one-on-one basis, and I am pretty sure Rahul Dravid has given him a lot of good ideas, also filled him in with positivity and the mental side of things. So he must have been. Uh, Uh, You know, he he must have gained some kind of mental toughness to come back. He was very sedate in his uh, interview. He was not his lively self that he normally is. Like when you interview Hardik Pandey, he's always, you know, uh, trying to be very charming. But Rahul was very sedate in his interview. He said, I'm in a good uh, state right now mentally, so I would like to continue with this, So, which is good for him, right? I mean, it's also good for Indian team if he continues this form. And more importantly, like you said, he converts this uh, and stays on longer so that... uh, the others can play around him, basically. I think he has a specific role. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, you are absolutely right. One Rahul to another, the more experienced, mm-hmm. slightly mm-hmm. more worldly-wise Rahul to a slightly younger. I think the older Rahul sees enough of himself, even though he was never so fast while scoring, I'm sure. right? And probably he was not as flamboyant an individual. Nonetheless, no. this rounding of the rough edges in the younger Rahul... Could be credited to the older one, you know, and maybe this, all this, you know, they say where we come from in our uh, part of the world, whatever happens, happens for the good, don't they? Yeah. So, you no, know, all these uh, trials and tribulations the KL Rahul may have faced over the last couple of months, along with Pandya, right? It may overall lead to their maturing more and rounding off these rough edges. There is yeah. no doubt about the talent they both have, right? And yeah, probably, yeah. uh, Rahul Dravid is the right sort of an individual, both as a mentor and as a role model to speak to these people and sort of infuse into them that sense of, you know, um, almost uh, if I may say maturity or if I may use the words like, uh, you know, uh, the calming down effect that Rahul Dravid brings, I think that would really help these two people. Mm. I think while discussing in one of our previous episodes, if you remember, I was sort of uh, of the opinion, it would really help if they both were to play some uh, India cricket. And that's what I meant, you know, the senior... Mm. Uh, Rahul would really impart his uh, nose and his uh, calmness yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good very good point you made I yeah.
0: Think. Yeah. yeah let's right. move on from uh, character building to other things
1: <laughs> well now then it's time that we sort of uh, bring a little bit of character assassination into picture well that's a tough term but you know what I'm referring to right yeah, of course. <laughs> right so uh, it has come to notice that sanaj Surya has been uh, sort of banned for two years by ICC. The anti-corruption unit of ICC for not cooperating with the ACU's investigation that happened in last September-October period when mm. uh, you know some cricket was being played in Sri Lanka. So uh, just to summarize what happened there, I think uh, Sanjay Surya was uh, suspended for two years, right, mm-hmm. for uh, not providing all the relevant information to the ACU officials. So one of the one of the requirements for playing and administering international cricket at the highest level is that you have to be able to make uh, available your personal some personal things like uh, your bank account details your mobile phone and so on and so on as and when they are asked by the ac officials right yeah. so uh, the only thing is that uh, maybe this guy chose to withhold it for whatever personal reasons he may have had unfortunately it was not perceived uh, in any you know he would not be showed any leniency because the rules are the same for everybody right he's undoubtedly a, a giant uh, as a performer on and off the field, I'm sure, in the, in his part of the world. But the rules are the same for everybody, unfortunately, right? So this meant, even though he was able to hand in those things a bit later, it would mean there may have been some amount of cleanup that may have gone on in the back end, background, right? We don't know. So as a result, he was banned for two years. He gave a very elaborate uh, you know, statement via Twitter to his fans. And some of them sort of seemed to ask him, you know, you're not actually addressing the question of why you chose to withhold those things that were asked of you, but you know, that's by the by, we don't really don't uh, know these things, these things will never come out into the public. But he has accepted the punishment that's been meted out to him. Uh, you you were saying something to me off air, right? What was he saying about it, Giri? Uh, he well, was saying,
0: yeah, well, he was, I think uh, what he said was something like, uh, I'm going to accept this ban for uh, for my love of the game. Something like that.
1: And because he loves work, the game, yeah,
0: he's going yeah. to accept that. Yeah, He's going to do it's us something a favour.
1: Indeed. Yeah. Or he was also saying something to the effect of... For the good of world cricket. I don't know how that's... Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is where, you know, the character... Uh, let me put it, reducing part comes in. I really don't know what he meant by that. Look, he's undoubtedly a legend. But he can't even a legend. Even if tomorrow Rahul Dravid we speak in such glowing terms about him. Or Tendulkar, or Kumbhle... If they are uh, associated with the administering or coaching or some such role and if I an ACO, the anti-corruption unit of ICC were to ask them, they are forced to give in. And they also are not above these things, right? So uh, that's a nice, very polished way of his to say that he is accepting it for the good of the world cricket. <laughs> and, you know, a cynic, a cynic may say, sure, you're staying away is the good part there, you know. Mm. But, uh, well, it's, it's up to the individual to perceive it as they may. But, you know, at the end of the day, just some... Some corrupt practices may have been going on in Sri Lankan Cricket. We don't know if this person was really involved. Well, so we don't speculate. No, But, yeah. you know, that, that there was some talking about it and there has been a ban imposed. We will see what it means in the long run, right? So, yeah, an interesting story to talk about. Uh, well, the, that remains, uh, that leaves us you know, with one of the other interesting topics, the India-Pakistan embargo that's going on whether India and cricket team will choose to play Pakistan or whether there may be more ramifications out of this. There has been no update on this in the last week, I think, because of the escalating tensions between the two countries. I think the two cricket boards are sort of withdrawn into the background. We'll have to see how this unfolds once the rest of the tumult dies down. There's still enough time left for the World Cup. There's more than 90 days left for the World Cup. We'll have to see what the cricketing bodies, individual country cricketing bodies and also the icc has to say about it i think sort of common sense may prevail and sort of matches may go ahead as planned but let's see how it unfolds Kiri? yeah let's, Any see, thoughts let's this? see
0: no no i have no so i mean i have no inputs on this let's just see what happens because i think uh, the next few days or even the weeks will be very crucial uh-huh. uh, to this uh, it's still a very hot topic right we have to let it
1: cool down a bit uh, exactly. not just cricket outside of cricket so exactly, yeah. You've exactly. Been done you got that right all right then so just a couple of housekeeping things left for us this episode so first of all let's uh, quickly go to the trivia question for this week so the trivia question for this week is name the player who has the highest run aggregate in women's odi cricket so name the women player who has the highest run aggregate in the women's odi cricket right this is a very easy question so we really expect a lot of participation from our listeners i know you're out there come on guys give us an answer or two right Uh, that's one thing so you can always give us your answers as we always repeat the uh, Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. you could give us your answers here or via our Facebook page right and then uh, you could also get back to us write to us via armchair.cricket at gmail.com right and then you could listen to us and popularize our podcasts or spread the word right you are our real strength the more you talk about it the better it is for us All right, then that's about it from us so it's a goodbye from me.
0: It's a goodbye from him. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. everyone.